0: Good morning, everyone. I'm Mark, and I hope you are doing well. We are in the fifth week of uh, Pathways Prime, where we're going through the prime elements of what this community believes it means to uh, be a fully devoted follower of Christ as individuals and what it means for us as a community to live that out. We introduced you to a new, uh, new image at the beginning of this series. And uh, each week I've been going through it real quick just to remind us what this image means. So when we see it, uh, it has it has meaning. And uh, that's the image up there. And at the center of that, you see an arrow with three th- uh, paths coming into one. And that is to remind us that we as followers of Christ and we as collective followers of Christ uh, in the local church are called to do three things. And that is to make, mature, and mobilize fully devoted followers of Christ. What, does a fully, what is a fully devoted follower of Christ? Well, that is someone who loves God with all of their heart, all of their soul, all of their mind, all of their strength. And equally as important, loves their neighbor as their self. And then on the outer ring and this is what we've been spending the last uh 5 weeks talking about is uh this I charge and the seven breaks on the on the outer ring and I charge stands for the seven values the seven uh the the, the DNA, DNA string in our church and I is intentional and then C is culturally current then we looked at hospitality last week Eric talked about authenticity. This week, we're talking about relational. And then the uh, final two weeks, we'll look at grace and then excellence. And then finally, on October 31st, 1031 at 1031 a.m., we're all going to be meeting on that Sunday at Leon High School for one gathering of the whole church just to celebrate the journey that we have gone on um, as a church family So, out of all of these things that we've been talking about, relational is it. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, there is nothing else in life that matters. That often I talk about how having a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people is the most important thing thing in life that you can do. Jesus said it this way as the inner circle is, look, the most important thing in life is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, and equally as important to love your neighbor as yourself. Everything else, the whole rest of the Bible is commentary, explanation on how to do that. And it befuddles me to think how little time that churches spend on the relational aspect of life. So we're going to be talking about that today, and but I, I want to I give you a, a way out because so many times, like uh, people many times, like Mark, you quote Mark chapter 12, you know, verse 30 and 31 all the time, you know, the love God, love people thing. And and there's a reason I do that. Not only because Jesus said it was the most important, but the other reason is, it's been my experience, we don't do it perfectly. So this is what I want to tell you today. is like If, if you've never had a broken relationship, if, if you are relationally perfect with God and relationally perfect with everyone in your life, this is a bye week for you. Go Go grab some pizza, run to the beach, whatever give you a few seconds seriously we'll we'll applaud you on your way out and actually we'll follow you to learn from you okay so we admission that we need to talk about this some more because the reality is that, that 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 we have a problem with this and 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 there's there's so many things in life that, that, that pull us away from this idea of focusing on having a right relationship with God and a right relationship with people, and hopefully in our few moments today that we can illuminate, illuminate some of those things and maybe move us closer, maybe not to having perfect relationships, but elevating the value of having a right relationship with God and people, and ultimately being a healthier church and healthier people in the church. You know that game would you rather? They uh they ask, you know, absurd questions, right? Like would you rather have a head that is 10 times too big or 10 times too small? And then you go around and and you you ask the question and and things like that. And I was like thinking of some different would you rather questions. And one question that I thought was, would you rather have billions of dollars and be able to buy whatever you wanted but no one to share it with? Or would you rather be really famous like 100 million people are clamoring to get just even a nugget of information about you. People to know all about you but not be known. Now, most of us have been to Sunday school, and we know what the correct answer is, right? The correct answer is, well, of course. We would rather be poor... And have rich relationships than wealthy, filthy rich and have no one to share it with. Or we would rather be truly known and be in relationship with one, two, three people than, than to be insanely famous. Somebody put being famous into perspective for me the other day that a that, uh, pretty famous person Actually, well I thought he was famous until he said this. He said that, that maybe a million people know who he is. But there's six billion people on the planet. That leaves five billion nine hundred and ninety nine thousand no million people that have no idea. That he exists. I'm like, dude, you're not famous at all. <laughs> and keeping that in perspective as our our as our pursuits, because the reality is. That no matter how many Facebook friends that we have or how many millions of, of people who know us, there are going to be no more people who do not know us. And if we do not have a right relationship with our friends and our family and with God, nothing else matters. You know what the vast majority of my waking moments is doing as a pastor? Is trying to put together broken relationships what I do. I'm not a pastor. I'm a broken relationship guy. And it's kind of funny because by no means do I do this perfectly or even well. And I think that we get confused a lot of times because we all want a little bit more money. We all want a little bit more recognition But, and we spend a lot of time trying to do that, trying to get to that place. But the reality is if we gain all the fame and we gain all the money, if it's not right at home, if it's not right with one of our close friends, if there's no one to share it with, life is not worth it just the way it is. I was at a conference this week. It was an amazing conference. And the the theme of the conference was this, tension is good. No, it's not. No, tension is good. And they they banged that into my head and, and the other people I was with into our heads. In fact, in all 13,000 of us into our heads, they kept on saying, tension is good, and I I didn't buy it until one speaker said something, seven words, that really struck me. He said, and I want you to listen to this because I'm going to want you to say it back, you can't avoid tension and love others. Let me say that again. You can't avoid tension and love others. Say this, I, personalize it, I can't avoid tension and love others. It cannot be done. The very root of loving others means that there is going to be tension and that tension is good. Why because it stretches us and molds us. Those of us who do not experience tension in relationships, we do not grow. We're runners. And we leave a a path of broken relationships or even worse, relationships that don't amount to anything. And this whole idea... You know, of loving God and loving people. And and God says five times, love, 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 love. And we start to think, okay, what is love? What does it mean to love God with all my heart, mind, soul, strength? And what does it mean to love others? And I've heard people say, well, who really knows what love is? You know, you may say it's one thing. I may say it's another. It's really, it's, it's this feeling and something. Well, you know what? God told us what love is. And he told us what it's not. We've all, if, we've, if you've ever been to a wedding, you've heard this. You've heard this, this kind of list of, of what love is, but I want to go a little bit back in Scripture and, and tell you what Paul says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what love is not. And he says, love is not activity. Love is not activity. You can, just by doing something and acting like you love someone or by serving them, does not mean you love them. I was served uh, at the concession stand, which is a very unusual name for a food place. You think about it. You're making a concession to go there. You're not, you're not going to go get real food. You're going to make a concession and go to the concession stand. Truth in advertising, I love it. Very authentic, you know. Uh, it, so I, I went there, and, and, and I got a, every so often I'll get a Diet Pepsi, all right? just being authentic, sometimes I just want, I'm craving saccharin or whatever they put in the, you know, the chemicals, you know, yeah, I know about the laboratory rats, I know I'm meant to be the healthy pastor, you know, all that kind of stuff. I like Diet Pepsi, deal with it, okay. I have it every so often. So I go there, but, you know, there's one thing I like more than Diet Pepsi, and that's ice, that's why I don't like Europe. I mean, there are, people are in the dark ages. Who has a Diet Pepsi without... You know, I, I was in Ireland. And I ordered a Diet Pepsi and, and, and they brought it. I'm like, can I have some ice? And he looks at me and says, it's cold. It's not ice cold, man. You got to have the ice. There's something about it. So I was at the conference. I went to the concession stand. I got my Diet Pepsi. I'm in America. So they put some ice in it. I go and I start drinking it. And I know, you know, you shake it. And there's meant to be a certain... Ice to Diet Pepsi ratio, at least for me, that is acceptable, and it was not in that ratio. So I went back up to the concessionaire. Yeah? Whatever. I'm actually going to get to that later. You guys always correct my English. Just so you wait. You're going to all feel guilty. And I said, may I have some more ice, please? That's what she did. She just looked at me. Like, she didn't know what to do. Like, and then she like starts looking around. And then her, her manager saw that, that this crazy customer wanted some, you know, crazy request. And, then, and the, the manager came over and said, he wants some more ice. The manager, like, we'll give it to him. So she looked at me with a look of, like, you know, death, you know, and puts the ice in the cup. Here's your stinking ice. I hope you choke on it. Hope it busts one of your teeth loose or something like that. She served me. There was activity, but there was no love from her. <laughs> No love. And it was was activity, but no love. And this is what Paul's talking about. He says, if I could speak in all the languages on earth and angels. So all the languages, even English. If I could speak English properly. And even the language of others, but I didn't love others. You know. I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So if I could speak all the different languages, even English, and I could speak the language of the angels, but I did not have love, this is what it would sound like. That's enough. It's a beautiful illustration that I could be eloquent. I could dazzle you. You could walk away and say something probably nobody ever else has said leaving E3. Wow. That mark is smooth. <laughs> Maybe my wife has said that. I don't know. She's sitting there laughing. Smooth operator. Yeah, it. But there was no love, it would be like that glank banging symbol, clanging symbol. How about this? If I had the gift of prophecy, if I had a Twitter account and the name was Mick Prophet, and everything I tweeted came true, and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge. And if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others I would be nothing. If I had all the right doctrine if I knew all eight commandments if I knew that 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 Moses parted the the sea of Galilee if I if I knew the last names of all 14 you know disciples it would mean nothing without love I could have all the right theology I could have so much faith that I could move mountains in fact living in Florida we must have so much faith that we've moved the mountains they're gone I don't know what that says about the people in Colorado. (laughs) But we could have that much faith. I've never met anyone with that much faith, except me from Paula. Did you move the mountains? Can you bring them back? I like to snowboard. You could have all of that, all of the right doctrine, all the right theology, all this amazing faith, but if you did not love other people, it would mean nothing. What about this? For you liberals out there. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. All of this activity, that means nothing without love. So what is love? In verse 4, Paul talks about that. He says, look, this is what love is. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That is what love is. That this is the, the mark that we are all shooting for in our relationships. And I wanted to spend a couple of minutes on of what, what a healthy relationship looks like. What a healthy person engaging with other people, what that looks like. That, that you know, I don't know if you've, you've traveled much, but there's something amazing that happens when you travel. Things that you normally wouldn't see in your own city, you see in other people's cities. Things that you normally would just take for granted, that, that, that they come into your kind of consciousness. And a lot of times God can speak to you in these new spaces when you can't hear them in your own kind of turf. One thing that I love to do when I travel is uh, I like to get into the hotel and I like to put my stuff down. and put on my running gear, and I love to go run. And I like to go and experience the city. I love to experience the country that, that I'm in. I've been had the benefit of running in several different countries, lots of different places, and I learned something. God always shows up during these runs. And this week when I was in Atlanta, I had the opportunity to go running. And something that I've seen thousands of times that God spoke to me through it this time you know when you're running along you encounter something called a dog when all dogs aren't the same there's different kinds of dogs one dog this week that i encountered on my run I was running along and I knew what kind of dog he was right when I was coming up because he started barking at me and he's like showing his teeth and he's you know behind the gate but he, you know he's sitting there when I'm running in front of his house and he's like, rawr, 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 rawr. and in dog language means I hate you, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to rip your face off. <laughs> so I, I speak dog very well and I, I knew this and, and every stride that I took He was right there with me looking for the opening to kill me. So I kept on going. And I was running along and his barks, you know, kind of faded into the path. And I came up to another dog. Now, this is a completely different type of dog. This is the, the happy, bouncy dog. And you come along and he's sitting there and he's like... You know, he's like so excited, you know, he's like not only wagging his tail, he's wagging a whole bit, and and he's going along, he's like, oh, oh, friend, 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 you know, yeah, oh, I'm so glad you're here, I've been waiting for you. It's like, you, you don't even know who I am, and he's like sitting there, and every step along the way, he's like, I don't even know, how you know, he's not even running, he's bouncing, it's a bouncing dog, and it's coming, it's like, oh, 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 and then you, you get to the end of the fence, you can just hear the thoughts of the, the, the dog say, okay, okay, uh, you go on and I'll wait here for you and I'll be here when you get back. Okay, 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 you know, play, play. All right, this is good. So you got this other kind of dog. And then there's another kind of dog. And this is the final kind of dog that I've experienced. Looks a lot like the second dog. You come running up and it's all waggy tail and all excited you kind of like and It's bounce, 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 bounce. But as soon as you put your back to that dog, Everything changes. Starts growling and barking and gets angry. This is the kind of dog that can get out, will will come up and run up on you and bite you in the behind. It's true. It's true. And as I encountered these three dogs and I was running along at an amazingly fast pace. No. And he's running along, just really enjoying being in a new environment, and just spending time with God. He kind of showed me that, you know what? There's three types of relationships and people in our lives too. They're a lot like these dogs. There's the person who comes up to you, and they're very open about their disdain for you. I am against you. I don't like anything about you and everything I do and in my power. I am going to make your life miserable. Have a good day. That's awesome. Glad you're behind the gate. There's the other type of person who is just encouraging. He's just it's, They just want to be with you. And they want to encourage you and there's something about you know running with along with that kind of dog that you know, you, puts even more bounce in your step. And even when your past and your time together is done that you know that they're still cheering for you and even though they can't be with you they are with you anyway. And you know what? Those first two types of dogs those first two types of people are blessings. They really are. You know, you don't have to worry about the the dog that's coming straight for you and who's snarling. You know their intention. You know that they are trying to hurt you. And you can avoid them. Also, it's a blessing to have people in your life who, who even though you're not perfect that they're there to run with you and encourage you, and you know once you're past that they're still with you and encouraging you. It's that third dog. It's that third type of person. Those kind of people are us kind of people. We've all been the third type of dog in certain situations, and we've all experienced that third type of dog. The person who is all encouraging you up into your mug, up into your face, just like, oh, yeah, you're great, love you. Oh, yeah, I'm with, I'm with you. But as soon as you are out of earshot, they do everything they can to bite you in the behind. And this is about as far from the heart and mind of God that you can possibly be. Jesus talks about this. And talks about about this whole idea of tension in relationships and how you cannot avoid tension. You cannot act all happy and excited to see somebody when you're in front of them and love them when they're not there. You see, this is... This is what happens. If somebody hurts you, which we've all been hurt, right? I've been hurt. You've been hurt. I may have hurt you. You may have hurt me. And this is our selfish instinct of what to do because we want to avoid tension. You hurt me. I put it in my little hurt balloon. I just hold on to it. you know i I'm okay with it. I can smile at your fa- in your face. go on, but then you hurt me and again. but I want to avoid tension. Well, my hurt balloon is. A little bit tighter, but hey, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. You know, it was just an offhanded remark. They didn't really mean it. I'm just gonna kind of keep it to myself. I don't want to. I don't want to cause waves. And then another offhanded remark. And it gets a little tenser. And we're going along. And then finally, one last thing. And everything blows up. And we leave yet another broken, messy relationship behind us. Jesus says this. He says, when somebody hurts you, when somebody sins against you, when somebody treats you less than the way that God has envisioned us as human beings to interact with one another, get on Facebook as quick quickly as you can, update your status, and ambiguously slam that person, but make sure everybody knows who you're talking about. Amen. Have a good day. No. it's not what he says. He says, go privately, and I want to dazzle you with my Greek. I know you guys like that. You know, you're like, you can't even speak English, let alone Greek, Mark. That's all right. I, I, I dug down deep to pull out the meaning of the next two words, go privately. You know what that means in the Greek? Go privately. Yes. Just you and them in a private conversation, not on Facebook, you're not tweeting it, you're, you're not in a prayer meeting with a prayer request about what happens. You go privately and point out the offense. You know what? When you said that, it hurt me. When you did that, when you didn't call me and you went out to dinner and had a dinner party and you didn't invite me, you know, that, that kind of stung, and, and I just need to know, is there, is there a reason that you didn't want me there? When you made that post on Facebook, or you made that tweet or something, you know, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Could you unpack that for me and just help me out a little bit? Because I, I don't know if I'm right, but it, it did hurt me. You see, you can't avoid tension and love people. No one wants to have those real conversations. I don't. I don't want to go to you and say, you know what? That hurt. Because when we do that, it means that what? We're weak, right? That that we're not made of iron. That we're 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 not impenetrable. We, we you know that we're humans that we we feel that somebody can hurt us and it's all this authenticity is being able to openly tell somebody you know what you may think this is stupid but it hurt me and give them the opportunity to speak into it 99.9 percent of the time i like i said i'm a relational person i that's what i do 99.9% of the time completely made up statistic but you're you know getting the the point here. The person will go, "Dude," or if you're a chick, something else, I don't know. "I did not mean to hurt you." You know what happens after that? Nothing. It's done. No more drama actually you've probably enhanced that relationship and they know the next time that, hey, this is a place where you're sensitive and you move forward together in a positive way. When we do it the other way, you know what happens? You get people on other sides, especially in a, in a community as tight as ours. It becomes like a cancer and people start taking sides and people start, you know, you ever played the telephone game where, where it started out that, that Paula, you know, said an offhanded, you know, comment to me like, shiny head or, you know, nice shiny head or something. I took offense to it. And I go to the next person, I say, I can't believe Paula, you know, was making fun of like my baldness. And doesn't she know that I'm really sensitive about that? And 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 things like that. And the next person like I can't believe it. And you know, and, and then you go to the next person and you, you say something like, Oh, I can't believe you know what Paula said to Mark. You know, Paula said that, you know, he was ugly and and, and a chrome dome. I can't believe that she said that. You know, and it goes to the next and finally, did you hear that Paula killed Mark? (laughs) I can't believe she did that. I just saw her over at Red Eyes. She didn't even seem to care. I know that's how callous she is. (laughs) Which it all could have been avoided if she just bought me a hairpiece. No, if she... uh, (sighs) It could have all been avoided if I just went to her and just said, you know what, that, that hurt. You know, that, that I, I'm sensitive about, I'm, I'm actually not sensitive about being bald, but, but if I was, I could have gone to her and said that. And, and I know Paula, and she would have been horrified that she hurt me in that way, and it would have been done. If she did, just laugh and say, yeah, let me shine that up a little bit for you. This is what I can do. This is what Jesus says. Look, if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back to her. So it can be confirmed by other witnesses. And you go there and, and you know say that Kevin and Jeremy and I come to Paula and say, Paula, that was, that was out of line. And at that point you go, oh, you know what? I didn't really think about it that way, and I, I'm really sorry, Mark. Or she can say, you know what? I don't care. I just continue to make fun of you. One way it's completely resolved, it's done. It's behind us. We're both better people because of the tension. And it shows that I love her and she loves me. But if she says no, Jesus says one more thing. He says, look, if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Not here on a Sunday morning, but the church. Those of us who are owners of this place, who who are woven into the fabric of this community. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I've heard this preached so many different times, and when they preach that, it's like, yeah, the Pagan or tax collector. Yeah, we get to treat them like that. I'm like, didn't Jesus like spend most of his time with them and hanging out with them and, and loving them with the what? The hope to bring them back into relationship. You see, the story of God is always, 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 always infinity to restore the relationship. I want to leave you with this. Found in Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. That will tweak. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. The tension is good. Tension shows that you care and actually care about the relationship and love the other person. A relationship void of tension is not a relationship at all. And if we want to be healthy women and men trying to live out the vision that God has for each and every one of our lives that we need to embrace the tension. Realize that that tension means that we care about one another. And then respond in a healthy way in those moments to bring restoration in healing to that pain. The alternative is kisses from an enemy. And I don't know about you, but kisses from the enemy is just there to lull you into a false sense of security so they can come up get outside of the fence and bite you in the behind. We need to strive for health. Strive for relational excellence. Strive for authenticity with one another. And encourage one another to live out the life that God has envisioned for us. Will you guys pray with me? Dear Lord, this is such a hard one. None of us like tension. It's uncomfortable. It's no fun. We w- would rather avoid it at all costs. But you know what? In this broken, messy world, the tension is good. The tension reminds us that we are human and that we care. God, with your power, allow us to face the tension. And God, I just pray that you will mend our broken relationships, our hurt relationships, that we will not be like a balloon, just holding it in, just ready to pop. That when our friends wound us, that we will be bold enough in You to approach them and be honest with them. God, let us be quick to ask for forgiveness and even quicker to forgive. In Jesus' name, amen.